Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Security Token Show, where we discuss security tokens and the growing industry. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. And if you're new, sit back and enjoy the show. My name is Kyle Sondland, and I'm joined with my co-host, Herwig. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode four, where we'll be talking about Reg A+. So Reg A+, security tokens, are a golden goose in the security token industry, as retail investors that are non-accredited can participate. This is an incredibly exciting exemption from the JOBS Act, and we've seen some movement in the space, but it's something that I think that we'll get into a little bit more later in the episode. So before we get into that, Herwig, I'd love to hear from you about some of the security token industry news. That's right. I'm going to jump into the latest information, as always, sourced from STM News, a news section on the STO Market website where you can contribute and, of course, see all the latest information that's happening. If you ever want to dive into any of the articles or conversations that we're having, you know, that's the first place to find out where those articles were from. Uh, and I'm going to start it off today uh, with the SEC and FINRA. They actually issued a joint staff statement on broker-dealer custody of digital asset securities. Now, of course, digital asset securities does both encompass crypto and traditional you know, uh, utility token altcoin assets, as well as security tokens as we know them. Um, the reality is, is this is a you know, reaffirmation statement to give clarity to the market on the fact that there are rules in place, Kyle, and those rules uh, haven't changed and they haven't been accommodated whatsoever for crypto or you know, security tokens. And that rule specifically that they're focusing on is custody. There is a Consumer Protection Act that you know, one of these rules that helped make sure that it's safe for BDs to take on new customers. Um, and one of those rules to create that safety is to make sure that the assets that are being provided by the broker-dealer actually are separated and safeguarded with a third-party custody agent. Um, this usually involved uh, you know, a lot of the traditional transfer agents or custody solutions that were out there. But in the world of wallets and crypto, this is a little bit more of a complex situation. Now, for all of us on the security token side, I don't think this is a major problem because many of the security token protocols and smart contracts already have this in mind. You know, if, if Kyle were to get hacked for his security tokens, there's very much so proof that Kyle was hacked and nothing has changed. Um, so we can burn those tokens reissue them out to Kyle and quote unquote, restore the cap table, if you will, and cure that problem. Uh, it's a little bit more of a challenge when we're talking about Bitcoin or Ethereum or any of these smart contract uh, you know, based utility tokens, um, because of course you are now not notably aware of hacks. Uh, a lot of people have already been hacked. Many of us have experienced it ourselves. Um, this is a, a huge, huge issue. This is why we have more and more advanced custody solutions coming out around this. Um, so, you know, this is probably bigger news for the crypto industry as a reminder that if you want to be a broker dealer and you want to start engaging with institutional clients, you want to start selling crypto assets, you need to keep in mind that you have to have the right operations and procedures to, to create the right custody solution for your clients. What do you think about this, Kyle? This is obviously pretty big news, if you will, to, to give more and more market clarity. I think it's great from the SEC. Again, the most recurring 
complaint from a lot of the industry in both crypto and what we saw in 2018 with the security token industry was just people seeking more guidance from the SEC in terms of, of what they were looking for and, and what they thought in terms of how they were going to continue to police this space and where they saw it growing and how to do that sustainably. So first off, again, as I do in a lot of these episodes, I want to applaud the SEC and FINRA for at least giving more input, feeling more confident in being able to provide their perspective because it really is something that we're going to continually work together on to build a proper financial system using a lot of these new instruments. And so this is a fantastic piece. I think you you illustrated it perfectly in the sense that this certainly affects security tokens much less than it does with those crypto assets solely because of the fact that when we're talking about securities, the transactions can be reversed. This is something that is not a new idea. It's something that, that we've done in traditional finance for since the 30s. And so with traditional crypto assets, we did see this kind of permanence, this, this idea of when it happens, it happens. If a trade or a transaction happens, everyone verifies it and that's good. Securities, not so much. So not as huge of a deal for us. The only thing that it does really imply for the future is that realistically, Ethereum or one of these traditional blockchains probably won't be the answer long-term for security tokens. We likely will have to find a different solution, one that many platforms are trying to build or have already built. So it's, again, nothing new, but the old guard, the old traditional crypto asset models likely won't work for our industry. Yes, I think that's a good point. I even want to comment further that in their you know, joint release, they also clarify that tokens such as Ethereum and Bitcoin that are not seen or classified as securities, but rather cryptocurrencies and the like, um, they are not you know, privy to this. However, if you are a broker dealer and you are now trying to bring in institutional clients you are now crossing that threshold uh, and offering something that could very well uh, trip you here. And you know, with, with ex- extreme scrutiny around broker-dealers that are operating within this space, you know, definitely, again, this is great clarity to be able to help you put in place the right procedures and remember that you need to you know, reinforce the, this regulation. Totally. Now, on that note, Kyle, I think it's a great segue into you know a, a great active contributor, Mahud, who put in a list of industry solutions for custodianship. Um, so this is actually perfect. You know, if, you know, we might see many of these broker dealers start to leverage this or some of these solutions, which include Anchorage. Anchorage uh, actually just made some noise when they raised the forty million Series B just last week, I think, um, and they are also a noted Libra partner. And same goes for Coinbase, who we had discussed last week uh, with uh, maybe two weeks ago on their custody solutions, which I think is really great because that is an example in the marketplace of a custody solution supporting both asset types. Um, But we also have to recognize there is some barrier with that because there is a minimum investment required in order to use Coinbase custody. Um, Another example is Swarm's uh, partnership with a company called Copper uh, out of the UK. And Copper is providing custody solutions using air-gapped computers, very popular method, um, and definitely a more enhanced version of of a lot of the sort of multi-sig wallets or uh, traditional cold storage wallet solutions. 
And then finally, we have TokenSoft's Knox Wallet, um, which has been known as one of the first custody solutions for, you know, specifically dedicated to security tokens, supporting the DS20 protocol, the ST20 protocol, the R token protocol, and ERC-1404 uh, tokens. Um, now, we also did see a little bit of news uh, that Bank to the Future, a very popular uh, marketplace uh, for crypto companies raising equity and the like, uh, is also announcing a custody solution for security tokens, the Bank to the Future wallet. Uh, there's a nice little video about it on their website. Uh, but you know, ultimately, it'll be reducing more friction. And, and given the most recent uh, joint release that we just mentioned, you know, another demanded solution as security token exchanges continue to grow and evolve. Many of them are broker dealers themselves, leveraging an ATS or some other form around the world. Uh, and you know, these custody solutions are needed in order to create investor trust and an ecosystem that is secure and functional. Um, and on that note, some a little exchange news, 1X or 1Exchange launched uh, officially in Singapore. Uh, they're most notably now known as the first licensed private securities exchange in Singapore. Uh, and that's because they also had a very strong relationship as their financial partners with the Singapore Stock Exchange, as well as enlisting consensus to help out with the Ethereum build out. Uh, of their platform. And now not only are they live, but they actually have a listed asset that you can go and buy, depending on where you're from, um, called the Aggregate Asset Management, which is just a, a Singapore-based fund management company. They did about a $4.1 million, U US million dollar uh, sale uh, that's available on the marketplace. Uh, and again, to reinforce this, they are the first, one exchange is the first recognized market operator which is the license that you need from the MAS, the Monetary Authority of Singapore, aka the SEC equivalent over there, in order to actually be you know, a licensed exchange. Um, this is major news because Singapore has long been seen as one of those innovators in the space. And now with a live, uh, working, functional, and even listing asset product exchange, uh, I'm excited to see what else is going to come out. Um, you know, staying on the, the exchange topic, T0 made some announcements recently uh, about a new project uh, or product that hopefully will be coming to their marketplace very soon. Um, that is the Atari movie. Uh, the Atari movie, for those of you who don't know, is you know about Nolan Bushnell, Leonardo DiCaprio's production company, as well as Vision Tree is behind this. Um, and in the spirit of Nolan's uh, you know, breakthroughs and disruption with the, what he did in the video game industry, the, you know, the founders of this movie also wanted to, to try and stay within that theme. That's why they were actively looking for a tokenization partner. They ultimately chose T-Zero according to their press release out of everybody that they, they interviewed. And T-Zero in itself is very excited about being able to disrupt uh, production financing and Hollywood financing as one of those parts of the capital markets that have been traditionally locked up or considered an insider's game. Uh, and now we have an offering that is coming to, to market. Now, 
I don't know if it's going to be the first. They claim to be the first. Now, I know Kyle a couple of weeks ago mentioned Proxima and a, and a couple other offerings that are, are looking to do something similar. Um, but regardless, I see this as a positive race for, for showing you know, and, and really highlighting to the rest of the industry that this is one of those uh, financing gaps that can be filled with security tokens. So I'm very excited to see what happens with this offering. I don't know, Kyle, I, I see you you smiling. I would love to hear your thoughts on this one. I'm excited about IP in any form leveraging security tokens to raise capital. I, I think that with Proxima Media, who put out a press release a few weeks ago suggesting that they had successfully raised $100 million through some Asian investors, as well as, as the Atari movie here, and I have been in touch with some other movie production firms or, or notable players in the industry also looking to raise capital or provide a platform to raise capital for these kinds of technologies, as well as I've spoken with people in the music industry and, and working with, with rights for, for any form of, of media. And I think it's a tremendous industry. It's one that's very exciting, that certainly generates tons of returns for investors on successful box office hits. And I think it's a, a great way to allow financing from non-traditional investors. As you said, it's a closed loop or a closed market. And so with potentially more access to capital, there can be more risks that are taken with the, the products that we're producing. And uh, and so I think it's great for, for the culture and I also think it's great for the industry. So it's a, it's a cool product, it's a, it's a good use case. And uh, props to T-Zero for leading the way. One, one of T-Zero's uh, first offerings, if you will, um, what do you think about that? Any any insight or anything to read into that, or this just happens to be one of the products that maybe was was ready and and a right fit for this, and now is the time. What do you think? It's certainly a bold move. It's it's as much as I just spoke highly of IP as a use case. It certainly hasn't been very much proven at this point. It's it's something that that is a little bit out there. It's an innovative. Solution and and certainly there's a there's a lot of firepower behind it with with a, a strong movie in terms of Atari it's got Leonardo DiCaprio's production company so there certainly is is a lot of firepower behind it which is certainly I think something that may have attracted them but it is a little bit interesting because we haven't seen much activity from T Zero in in 2019 they went live with their exchange. And it seems like they may have stumbled out of the blocks a little bit, not to insult them by any means, but, but we haven't seen any more liquidity for any other assets aside from their own token. And we've discussed at length you know, the, the structure of, of their financial group and, and how that token is traded. And it doesn't seem like they've, they've fully embraced the security token exchange at this point. So hopefully this is successful. It seems like they still have a long way to go though, because they need to actually raise the capital before we would even see any kind of transaction. So while this is great for deal flow and I'm very excited for them and and what they're doing and they're constantly innovating, I'm still excited to be able to see them go live with a few secondary traded assets like we were expecting here in 2019. And and this certainly won't, won't be able to do that until six to 12 months lockup period following the completion of their raise, which may take any, any amount of months. Right. We, we definitely don't have a lot of details on this, but if I had to sum it up, it sounds like the sex appeal is there, um, but it remains to be seen whether this is just a nice press release or, you know, how, how, you know, 
interesting or how much momentum is behind this offering has yet to be seen. And there are definitely some other questions. Are they using T0 issuance? Are they using a third party? Will they be doing the primary sale directly on the, the platform or is it going to be after the fact for sure? Information that we're going to try and figure out uh, and, and bring up next time on the show when we do. Uh, last but not least, we, we also, we've seen a lot of regulatory updates. We've seen some custody updates. We've seen some exchange updates. On the infrastructure side, it looks like Tezos continues to make waves with another press release announcing that they are now partnering up with Tokensoft as well. Tokensoft, you know, as I just mentioned, also owner of the, the Knox Wallet, creator of the Knox Wallet, uh, is also a very well-known issuer in the space. And so I, I can't imagine that this is you know, only more but good news for both, both companies. Um, and I'm sure that Knox Wallet support for, for Tezos-based instruments will soon be announced, I have no doubt. Um, so that's all I have for you on the security token industry news side. I'd love to pass it over to you, Kyle. I know that we've seen another report. They seem to come out every week now. Uh, and you've done such a great job of digesting them and, and giving us the details. So I'd love to, to know the latest. Definitely. We're, well, let's transition into the Q2 2019 Security Token Quarterly Report. This one is by STO Block. And they've done a great job of, of identifying from their network of investors, of their network of issuers, of their network of partners, of, of what the industry looks like for them in numbers. And so there were a couple of key highlights that I was able to pull from their report that, that may be interesting to share. The first one being that they were able to log 11 security token offerings that were able to raise $40.4 million this quarter, which is fantastic. They, they noted though that the majority of the deal sizes were less than $10 million with a success rate of 75% with four unsuccessful offerings and then the 11 successful ones. And uh, so just from looking at those specific numbers, that certainly seems very high. I know that, that security tokens provide a lot of benefits for issuers as well as investors, but I certainly haven't seen the industry raise that much capital and be that successful yet. They certainly have a different network and they've, they have included all of their sources in their report, so it's certainly worth checking out. Um, it, it's incredibly interesting and, and, and if this is what they're actually finding and, and these are successful security tokens and not just compliant ICOs, which seems to be sometimes confused in terms of, of what we are able to determine as an asset-backed security token, whether it's equity or debt or rights to any kind of, of dividends versus a compliant ICO, which would be more of a, a utility token that is just compliantly raised, only taking accredited investors or filing properly through some of the private securities exemptions. That doesn't necessarily mean that there's an asset behind it. So who's to say sometimes where, where we make that distinction in terms of different outside resources, but but for them, they've been able to identify that. They also identified that 92% of the offerings were incorporated and issued in the United States, which is something that doesn't come as a complete surprise to me, but we do see the U.S. leading the way here in terms of security tokens around the world. There's awesome movement from Asia as well as the U.K. and Europe seems to be doing a great job with their exchanges. Um, as well as, as the UK and the FCA being very forward in, in 
embracing new technologies and financial instruments, but I still think that the U.S. is moving forward with actually issuing these exemptions uh, at a faster rate than what we're seeing around the world. And so a, a, a very strong report, interesting, they, again, they included their sources, so definitely if you're interested or you want to research more, look into it. We have our own database of logged security tokens on security token market. We're over 225 at this point, and we're, we're growing that with, with our teams as quickly as we can. So definitely leverage all of the resources around the industry. Do your proper research before investing in any of these things, and certainly nothing that we provide here is investment advice. Moving into security token offerings as we transition, we can see we'll start with a quick update on a few stories, Herwig, that we had discussed throughout the previous episodes. The first one is with BTG Pactual. You may remember BTG Pactual as being Herwig's company of the week. They are Latin America's third largest investment bank and launched their first STO, which was announced in February. And so their first STO is called REITBZ, which is a real estate fund. And so they announced this in February and have recently started accepting investment. And the update here is that they actually cleared their soft cap. So they, they were able to raise $3.3 million so far, which is fantastic. And they've cleared their soft cap. I do believe they're still raising and the hard cap is undisclosed. So I'm not exactly sure where they will plan to stop. But they have cleared their soft cap, which does mean that this offering will move forward regardless of if they raise any more money or not. This will be a security token, REITBZ, the real estate fund. So very exciting. Congratulations to them and their team and, and all the best of luck moving forward um, as they progress. Moving on, Token Market. We announced that Token Market was going live with their STO. This was an announcement they made last week or a few weeks ago. They were raising 150,000 euros as a soft cap that they were actually able to clear in 48 hours. So they went live last week and or two weeks ago and, and have actually they were able to clear their full soft cap in 48 hours, which is fantastic launched it on July 8th, so last week, and closed 70% in the first 24 hours. So as of recording, they have oversubscribed. I think that they've oversubscribed by almost 150%. I think they've raised 223,000 euros and a, and a presumed hard cap of 250,000 euros. So that's fantastic. The one piece that I think was slightly questionable that caught my eye, Herwig, was that they were raising what seems to be 250,000 euros at a 25 million euro pre-money valuation. So they're only raising about 1% or selling about 1% equity in their business in their round. It seems just slightly odd. It's certainly not traditional in how you traditional startups would raise capital in terms of giving 10, 15, 20 or more percent of their business in exchange for a larger piece of the pie. That being said, it does show that that Doing a small raise to raise some capital through a security token offering can be very successful. We've seen the opposite where companies are looking to raise $100 million or $50 million or $200 million, which is an incredibly ambitious task for anyone looking to raise $200 million, let alone somebody that's looking to leverage a new instrument, something that is additional risk for traditional investors, something that they're not familiar with, and we're paving the way for this industry. 
And so I think Token Market's done a great job. They, they identified an amount of money that they were looking to raise. They created a fair offering. They promoted it and marketed it well. And they seem to have had all the success in the world in raising the capital. So congratulations to them um, for doing that. Oh, that's, that's really great. I, I'll, I'll jump in and say congrats to them as well. It goes to show you that if you're able to pick the right size and have uh, already a notable brand and a base of, of investors and users, which Token Market did have already due to their other projects that they have started, it, it goes to show you that you can quickly and efficiently you know, pull off an STO and whether the purpose of it was to you know, raise a small amount of financing or create a signal for, for the company's equity or who knows why, uh, I gotta say that's pretty cool. Moving on, we have one additional update, and this is with Bitbond. Last week, Bitbond closed their security token offering. I think it was last Tuesday when our last episode of the podcast was released. We do release these every Tuesday. And so the Bitbond token, BB1, successfully closed their offering from 87 different countries. Investors from 87 different countries participated in their offering. This does not include the US or Canada. So unfortunately, North America was not included in this raise. But congratulations to them. If you don't remember, Bitbond is the first issuer to receive approval of a prospectus by Germany's security regulator, which is BaFin. And so that's their SEC or, or internet or their national security regulator. So they were able to get approval and were able to successfully raise 2.1 million euros or somewhere in that range. The final tally has not been confirmed, but, but it's been reported somewhere in the 2.1 million euro range. This offering opened in, in March and, and was successfully closed for debt issuance. And the, the debt offering itself received a ISIN number, which is the International Securities Identification Number, which is you know a, a identification number that is similar to the QSIP, C-U-S-I-P, which is what we use here in the US and Canada, that essentially allows for identification of a security worldwide, allows for clearance, settlement, and custody. So congratulations to them. Finally, they're going to be launching this offering on Stellar. So this is, again, one of those interesting facets that we have to discuss in terms of the SEC suggesting that the blockchain needs to be reversible in order to, to actually host an asset. This is certainly not, not a U.S. investment offering, but it's one that wouldn't be compliant with, with how the SEC is moving forward because it doesn't seem like Stellar will have this kind of reversibility. But again, I'm not fully fluent on how that stuff works, so you're going to need to look into it yourself. In terms of new security token offering news, we, we have one piece of news today, and this is coming from LXDX, which is a crypto exchange, and they revealed their plans for a security token offering. And so LXDX is a, is a crypto exchange of medium size that is launching an equity-backed security token that represents 10% of the company, but it also includes 10% of their quarterly adjusted revenue. So investors are getting equity in the business as well as getting exposure as the exchange scales. I think this is a great way to encourage investor participation on their exchange as well as, as, as raising capital for building out what they're looking to do with that capital. So it's, it's I think, a, a strong value proposition. It seems like those financials work out well. 
They've received Maltese regulatory approval. So from the, the government of Malta, they were, they were fully approved to move forward with their security token offering, which is fantastic. Herwig, you and I have discussed at length before regarding these smaller nations and, and being pioneers in security token exchanges and, and being front runners in the fintech space. So Malta, again, making moves in terms of approving these offerings and moving, moving these assets forward. There were a few wrinkles that will need to be cleared up, I think, or at least will will have to be watched to see how they evolve over time. The first one is that only a thousand participants will be allowed in this first phase of the raise. So I presume this has something to do with the amount of shareholders allowed in a traditional private financial security. It's something that we deal with here and we'll discuss at more length in a little while with US securities law, but potentially there's there's some cap on the amount of shareholders allowed on a private security. So I'm not, again, familiar with Malta's laws and regulations, but but I know that only a thousand participants will be allowed in this first phase. Additionally, LXDX tokens are not yet tradable on secondary markets. This is also due to regulatory restrictions. And so they hope that they'll be able to provide liquidity uh, on secondary exchanges in the next six months, but we definitely know how those things can take a little while to, to build that approval. That being said, LXDX is expected to allow trading between initial contributors of their STO through a smart contract. And this is something that I think we've seen before with peer-to-peer -peer exchange, with things like this. So there will be potentially some options to be able to liquidate if needed, um, likely with, with more premium or discount than one might want but that's the nature of illiquid assets and uh, providing more liquidity is, is always better. So some is, is better than none is, is what I'm trying to say. So good for LXDX. I'm happy for them. It seems like they've structured an interesting offering that provides a lot to investors, encouraging investors to participate and um, moving forward with Malta and, and, and looking to really, to really produce a good offering and issue a great offering. So Congratulations to them, and, and if you're interested, definitely check that out. And then finally, to give an update on the Barcelona Trading Conference. We discussed this last week. There was a small security token panel there. I want to just include a segment where we discuss security token events around the world. And while this one certainly was not security token focused by any means, it did have a few notable events the first one being the security token panel where they discuss the future of STOs, the success of private securities and what's left to do. Hopefully we'll be able to see a video of that panel in the future. I know that different channels seem to post little snippets, so we'll keep you updated on that. And then additionally, a noted thought leader in this and close friend in the space, Jesus Rodriguez, announced the into the block into the block public beta. Into the block is a data analytics platform specifically optimized for crypto at this point and their public beta is live so if you're interested in supporting jesus or or seeing what he's working on definitely go check that out moving forward herwig i'd love to to turn the mic to you and uh get into the the main meat of the conversation here all right you want to talk reggae well for those of you who are listening that are not familiar i'm going to give a brief synopsis of the reggae plus how it works and you know what issuers go through in order to get approved 
and then we're going to actually dive into some very big news, which is that the SEC actually finally, if you will, approved two offerings uh, that are tokenized, which we think is definitely momentous, and we'll explain why in just a minute. But first, Reggae Plus is often seen as the less broken uh, crowdfunding exemption that came alongside the Jobs Act. So the Jobs Act, you know, passed in 2012, ushered in really three key new exemptions for private capital markets. The first and most used is the new 506C exemption for Regulation D. The biggest change being there, you were actually allowed to generally solicit or advertise, if you will, your offering. Um, it sounds kind of crazy, but before 2013 and still today, a majority of all private placements are done confidentially and privately. So they are not even allowed to advertise the fact that they're raising money. Um, with this really helped create the advent of equity crowdfunding. And you know, with years after uh, Title II uh, or 506C was codified, two other major crowdfunding exemptions came out. The first is known as Reg CF or Reg regulation crowdfunding, which is largely criticized as being broken because you can only raise up to a million dollars from the crowd. It's easy to get started. It's, it's a, a lot less of a barrier than, say, the Reg A Plus offering. But because of its limited capacity, it's often uh, seen a lack of utilization uh, by companies in the marketplace. So that really puts a lot of the attention on the Reg A Plus offering. The Reg A Plus offering which is often called the mini IPO, uh, really designed as a way to bridge between before having to go do a public filing, uh, allows a company to raise up to $50 million from anybody in the US, uh, whether they are accredited or not. So uh, you know, if you look at Reg CF and immediately say that's dead on arrival, if you're looking to do a major retail offering, that really only leaves you with Reg A plus as an option. And it was slowly and started to become very often used in the equity crowdfunding space. But there's actually been no update up until this week on tokenized offerings attempting to do a Reg A+. Plus. Uh, and they, you know, they've actually all been a bit of a limbo. So before we jump into that news, the way a Reg A Plus offering is it's actually broken down into two tiers. Tier one allows you to basically raise up to 25 million. The, the second ladder you know, being up to 50 million. The tier one only requires reviewed financials, whereas the tier two actually requires you to have them audited, which is indeed an increased expense to your filing. Um, and of course, you have to file a form 1A, which is typically you know, done with a seasoned legal counsel to help guide you through this process. The SEC has up to 90 days to respond to your filing, uh, and how you end up in a limbo is typically they will wait and take their time to give you those comments, and then you're going to have to go ahead and refile and address those comments and concerns, um, and so you know becomes this dance with the SEC as you try to get approved for a Reg A Plus offering, and because none had been approved up until this week, um, or I should say last week since today is Monday, time of recording. Um, many people saw doing a tokenized offering, whether you're doing it as an STO or even for a utility token or an ICO, as pretty much impossible. They, there was kind of a feeling that the SEC is purposely stonewalling these projects because 
of their lack of support for the asset itself or simply because it was too complex for them to deal with, etc. We know now through their joint release and through uh, a lot of their work that this is not indeed the case. In fact, they are extremely supportive of it. There are market guidelines out there and we have two offerings approved. Uh, there is a hitch, but I'm not going to get into that hitch quite yet. I'm going to pass it over to Kyle to do actually a quick deep dive into the two different offerings so we can get a better idea of what the SEC is approving. Thank you, Herwig. A little bit of context. The security token industry blew up last week when two Reg A plus STOs were approved for fundraising by the SEC, and everyone was incredibly excited for the fact that, as Herwig, you mentioned, Finally, we've seen some movement on tokenized Reg A plus offerings being approved and allowed for fundraising. So when I hear that, I, I wanted to dig in deeper and, and, and find out more about these two offerings. So first off, we got to go into the first one. This is the, the very first Reg A plus tokenized offering approved by the SEC, and this is by a company called Blockstack. And so Blockstack was approved for a $28 million cash offering that opens, actually is already open. Thursday, July 11th is when it opened for, for fundraise. And Blockstack is a decentralized computing network and they're looking to build kind of a decentralized internet with, with over 100 applications that, that provide similar services of social media, of Google, of the Microsoft Office suite, and many more. And so they're building, they're building this whole underlying technology and are looking to fundraise from general investors. The interesting thing, though, is that, as they said in their offering circular, that they're actually looking to build something that one day won't be a security. Herwig, they're, they're not actually backing this security to anything at all. They're looking to build a decentralized network, and with the agreement of the SEC, if they're able to take their network from being one that is centralized or controlled solely by Blockstack and decentralize it such that no participant in the system has any more control than another, if they're able to successfully do that, these tokens that they're selling right now may no longer be constituted as securities and can be, can be constituted as a utility token or something of this Dutch. They don't specifically define what they legally may be constituted as in the future, but they do note here specifically that the, the Stacks tokens may no longer constitute a security as long as they make a decentralized network. So unfortunately, for the STO crowd, this is not a security token. It's incredibly groundbreaking in terms of pushing forward with a Reg A plus offering, but this is a compliant ICO, which is very interesting to build the decentralized network of applications and pay for the, the idea behind this token is that it will pay for the transaction fees between the blockchain and the application that you're using. So there is no asset underlying, but it is a, a tremendous move forward for this company. So this is the classic, you know, decentralized tokens goal, right? You know, I think Ethereum, when the SEC made some comments about it 
not lo- not lo- no longer, although maybe previously having the characteristics of a security, it has made its way out of that classification. It seems to me Blockstack is very eager to, to receive the same, as we had just pointed out earlier with the, the joint release from FINRA and the SEC, as well as potentially with others like the CFTC and, and many other regulatory bodies uh, here in the U.S. that would give them a lot more flexibility and latitude to grow and take on more ecosystem holders and miners and contributors and everything else that, you know, currencies and utility tokens like that aim for. So uh, definitely groundbreaking, as you said, not necessarily for security tokens, but a clear cut example of perhaps a, you know, better word is a textbook example of how you would want to go and raise uh, money for your blockchain here in the United States, and, and they've done it properly. I also think it's a great way for them to prove that, hey, look, ICOs aren't just scams, right? A lot of U.S. investors or maybe traditional investors that maybe aren't quite as interested or, or familiar with the crypto space may look at the term ICO or cryptocurrency and immediately associate that with scams or fraud. And what Blockstack is showing here is no, that's not how all of these tokens are doing it. They've successfully raised millions of dollars from large institutional VCs. They've been very successful in raising equity rounds. They're now raising their utility token and they're doing it the right way. And if you buy into this decentralized network that that may govern all internet usage moving forward, if you want to protect your data, if you want to move forward with some of these great technological advancements that we're building here in the crypto space or that they are building in the crypto space. Rather, feel free to check that out and and participate if you're interested. The second security token offering that was rumored was props by YouNow. And similarly to Blockstack, what, what I was able to find in my deep dive is that this is another utility token. So they are looking to use Reg A Plus not for a sale. They're actually not looking to sell these tokens. Instead, they're actually looking to issue a security as a reward for using their network. So you now is a video streaming platform who is using these tokens as a reward for their users to be able to participate in their network and encourage and incentivize those users to continue engaging with their platform. So another ICO that's successfully passed the rigorous tests that come with Reg A+, which again is, as Herwig mentioned, is nothing to scoff at. These these diligence processes that you need to follow if you're looking to participate in a Reg A+, offering are not that far away from what you'd see in a public offering. Certainly it's, it's to a lesser degree because it is a private security, but, but these are very legit. It, a lot of money, a lot of time, and so they've successfully able been able to pass this diligence process and are going to be issuing their security um, in the form of, of a token for participation in their platform. So that's a little bit of background on both of those. Very exciting. Finally, we're seeing some movement in the Reg A Plus side of things. What we did see is that both of these offerings have spent over two years collaborating with the SEC. Two years and, and between $1.5 and $2 million 
is what we were able to to determine is it seems to be the cost. I know that we're, we can get into that a little bit more now, Herwig, but this is no joke. They've spent a lot of time building out these offerings. Yeah, that's not a small sum of money. In fact, the SEC never intended it to be that large uh, of a sum. Uh, in fact, if I remember reading to some of their stats, they, they actually wanted the Reggae Plus offering to take around one to 200000 in in legal and accounting fees. This is obviously way, way north of that. Um, and so, you know, from what it, what I'm hearing, Kyle, is that, you know, there isn't much that we can officially say about STOs for Reggae Plus, but this is groundbreaking for ICOs. There's now a compliant proven model done not once, but twice. Uh, and it does seem to take some serious factors if you're looking to the same. You know, one is a $2 million budget, 75% would be going towards legal. It seems to be both uh, firms used William Sincini as their law firm of choice. Um, and they also all had institutional backing. In fact, they had some of the same institutional backers, Union Square Ventures, Winklevoss uh, Capital, uh, as well as many different uh, notable individuals like Naval, Ravikant, uh, Props had. Casey Neistat and Phil DeFranco, you know, you, you've definitely got real uh, institution and, and strong backing behind these offerings before they even apply to do their Reg A+. Um, more than that, it's it's tough to derive, but it seems to me like if you're able to check checkbox that list there, that you might have a very good chance of getting approved as a, a Reg A+, ICO. Um, and in the meantime, hopefully I can derive from this that there's starting to be movement, that there is trust on the SEC, that infrastructure is in place. And hopefully very soon we're going to see a security token offering that also gets approved. But, you know, right now, I don't know of many that have a $2 million budget dedicated towards legal and accounting alone. So it may very well be that the right project hasn't come around yet for the SEC to approve. Um, I, I don't know, Kyle, is there any other major takeaways that you see from this? I think the major takeaway for me is that potentially for a startup, if you're looking or considering or see the significant benefits in Reg A+, where we haven't even been able to scratch the surface and may need to, to address this in another episode in terms of, of some of the other advantages of Reg A plus offerings, such as utilizing a transfer agent for shareholder restrictions and, and many more huge groundbreaking benefits of, of Reg A plus versus any of the other private securities exemptions. If you're looking or, or strongly considering a Reg A plus offering, it may make sense to raise some equity capital first to give you runway, to be able to, to help your business last two to three years, to be able to cover the, the full cost of the offering itself, itself, which is $2 million, let alone the, the cost of your burn over two, two plus years with, with employees and, and generating revenue. So if you're looking to, to, to do this offering, I really think that it's a smart idea to go in prepared to not cut any corners, don't waste your time and try to get a cheap law firm or, or, or try to do this as in fast mode. Raise some money or come in strong with, with some strong revenue and, and a good business and, and, and work with the SEC to, to, to build a strong offering. But it's totally possible the groundwork has been laid and, and I'm looking forward to seeing more issuances moving forward. 
Completely agree, and whether it helps the SEC or more importantly the issuer, there is one super valuable tool that the Reg A Plus has, which is something called testing the waters. Now, this isn't just willy-nilly. You can go out and see how many people are interested in your offering. You do have to put together the right disclosures. It's often best to work with a broker-dealer or a crowdfunding platform to do this, but it's a great way to basically mock test your offering and see what kind of demand engage the market for the interest in your actual offering before you even go through this major investment of time and money to get approved for, for a Reg A+. Plus. Uh, so I think it's a very good point. Um, there's definitely more advantages that we'll hopefully dive in on the next episode around Reg A+, Plus, which I will imagine will be when we see an actual STO Reg A+, Plus approved. Um, but in the meantime, Kyle, it does seem like we forgot our companies of the week. So oh. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'll tell you mine. Mine is going to be one exchange because I think that's a major move. Uh, you know, again, seeing well-known exchanges, whether they're doing it through a new entity like one exchange in partnership with the Singapore exchange uh, or whether it's the Euronext investing in an issuance platform. These are major institutional moves that are happening in the industry. And again, I'm very excited to see what's more and what else this sparks out of Singapore to come. How about you? Who's your company of the week, Kyle? I'm actually going off the book here, Herwig. And I just want to give take one moment to give special props to the SEC for every step that they've taken in terms of being and collaborating with issuers and with these exemptions around the world. I don't think it's coincidental that they put out a press release as we've discussed multiple times here on the show that they're looking for feedback from entrepreneurs, from investors on private securities exemptions and how those can be optimized, how those can be improved. They've taken a ton of time and and put out a a multi-hundred page document on their observations and their research At the same time, they keep releasing guidelines such as the joint press release that they made this week suggesting or or providing some suggestions on what they're looking for for security tokens in terms of custody, in terms of the blockchain applications. And now they're finally moving forward with Reg A plus tokens. They're not shying away from something that's scary. They're taking it methodically and they're trying to move forward with these things in a sustainable, scalable way and they're providing clarity, and they're, they're actually giving us some things to work with here, which is the, the main criticism that I, I had as long as, in addition with many of the other industry leaders in this security token space, was a lack of clarity, no direction. So they're providing direction, they're moving forward, and they're actually taking the bull by the horns, and so they, they really should get recognized for that. So bravo to them. The SEC is my... Entity, Entity of the week. Of the week yeah, I if see you what will. you did there. Um, I think that's I applaud that, uh, of course, and, and completely am in agreement. Uh, and uh, I'm only excited to talk about what they're doing on next week's episode uh, and looking forward to sharing all the updates with you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in.